The Athletic. Hello, welcome back to 1874, a podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Villa picked up a point on the road at Brighton on Saturday, largely thanks to Emmy Martinez. Today, we're going to look back at that, look forward to Leicester on Sunday, and look at the sad year with no fans at Villa Park. Joined as ever by the Athletics Aston Villa writer Greg Evans. And Greg, probably one of your least favourite trips of the season at the weekend, I'm imagining. Yeah, hello, Dan. Um, really disappointing day, actually, whole weekend. It's it's one of the games I really look forward to, Brighton away. It's a good, I think it's a good weekend down there. You know, I usually stay over and, um, you know, meet up with some fans and go and have a drink and stuff. But it was just so different this year. You know, we drove down there, stayed over. I was the only person in the hotel, which was a weird experience in itself. Um, and then the game was really poor as well, wasn't it? You know, it's all the way down there for a nil-nil draw um for Villa to pretty much offer nothing going forward um it was probably the one probably the first game I've actually come away from thinking I, I was really disappointed in Villa because I just thought they offered yeah. nothing really um and yeah just a just a, a disappointing weekend all around really it's quite bizarre wasn't it because like you say I think every game this so far this season and we're, we're over halfway now I think Villa have offered an attacking threat in the games we've lost you've come away and thought oh unlucky there we were really in that game if decisions had gone our way if we'd have been, been a bit more clinical or defended better we'd have come away with something but we still played well but Dean Smith said below bang average and I think oh, that's probably a little bit kind in fairness because I think a Ross Barkley rolled one into the goalkeeper's arms and that's pretty much the only shot I can remember in in the whole game it was a really uninspiring evening from Villa yeah there wasn't there wasn't really much in, as I say in terms of attacking you know play really I wouldn't say attacking intent Villa certainly tried to attack they just couldn't really muster up anything and um, I think when you look back to the games that Villa lost you know look, even even that Leeds game that was you know the most yeah, dismal sort of performance and, and, and result overall you look Villa still had four or five good chances didn't they if you think of it the Brighton game yeah. there was just nothing there I mean I suppose you I suppose you've got to give the opposition a little bit of credit as well. Um, I think Brighton have come into some decent form. Uh, I, I never thought I'd say this because I remember watching Dan Byrne when he was a Birmingham City player, but I, I actually think he's a really good, valuable asset now. And, I, and I'd quite like him. I'd quite like him in the team. I don't think he fit into the Villa team, but I think, you know, if, you, if you're a fan of his, if you if you support the team that he plays for, I think you'd quite like to like, you'd learn to like him and, Caused a few problems from set pieces, didn't he? And he had Martinez pulled off a couple of decent saves from him. And um, so, yeah, I think I think we just got to give Brighton a little bit of credit and 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 appreciate how hard they made it for Villa. Um, and and hopefully now we'll, we'll see an improvement really in in the game ahead. I think probably the most disappointing thing for Villa was that they had seven full days off, and, and we expected to see like yeah. a, a bit of vibrancy and a bit of verve, but there just wasn't anything there, was there? Yeah, we'll come back come back to the days off. Do you think with you saying Brighton deserve credit? You were you were at the game, so you, you've had a unique view compared to us watching on TV. Was it a case of Brighton just had a good game plan and, and shut Villa down, or, or was it Villa were rubbish, or was it a bit of both? I mean, Brighton, to be fair to them over recent weeks, that they'd had a good month. We spoke about that last week, and they've kind of done a little bit what Villa did after lockdown in that they've realised that they they can't keep shipping goals, and they've really solidified, and that their defensive record's been really good over the last five or six games. So. What, what was it a case of? Yeah, well, I thought, first, as you say, first and foremost, they kept it very tight. I thought they were well-organised and, and quite disciplined in in their defence and, and Bissoum 
Bissouma as the holding midfielder. I thought he, Bissouma, sort of was probably given a little bit of, a, of too much of a free role um, to, to do what he wants and dictate the play. Now, I'm not solely blaming Ross Barkley for that because, you know, the responsibility is, is for other players as well to close him down. Um, I just think he was given a little bit too much room to start off attacks and then Brighton sort of move forward with ease from there. And uh, as I say, I, th- I think you just got to give credit to, to their flair players. You know, McAllister looked quite decent. Gross did well in, in the middle, moving the ball efficiently and quickly. Um, and then the, and then they were a threat, a real threat from set pieces every time. Um, you know, and, and, and corners are just... Something doesn't sit quite right with me still with Villa at corners. I feel like they're always looking a little bit vulnerable. They tend to have like the three um, blockers, I think Dean Smith calls them on, on the, um, um, you know, w- watching the runners coming in. And it, it felt like a bit of a mismatch again, because it was Louise and Barkley marking Dan Byrne. And and, and, and it had a couple of headers that that almost uh, punished Villa. But look, you know, it's another point, isn't it? And, and, and it's a point that takes Villa over their points tally from the whole of last season. And the fact that they've got 16 games left, to you know, improve on last season's tally shows that it's not so bad. And although it, you know we're talking a bit doom and gloom here, it was another point, wasn't it? And that was probably a game last year that, that Villa might have gone and lost. To be fair, it's arguably one of Villa's greatest points of the season, just because they were so so bad. And I know I never actually felt like Brighton were going to score. I know that sounds stupid because they had a number of shots. Nemi Martinez has made nine saves, but I actually think they're a good team. They haven't really got any any end product. They're defended well, but a few of the players, you, when you Trossard, McAllister, they're, they're nice footballers, good footballers, but they haven't really got any end product. So I was still going into the last 10 minutes thinking, Villa are going to nick this. We'll just get one chance, Watkins or Grealish will do something and we'll end up nicking it 1-0. I know that didn't happen, but Martin has made nine saves, but relatively comfortable would you say um no I, I wouldn't actually I felt no. I, I felt that there was being at the game I felt that Brighton were going to score at some point that's how I felt um okay of course there's always there's always that threat when you've got Grealish in the team it was probably it was an off game for him wasn't it and and, and unfortunately yeah. when 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 Grealish doesn't play as well as he normally does the team seemed to suffer which is Probably the same as any team with a star player, isn't it? You look at Messi last night for Barcelona when he doesn't turn up. It seems that you know the, the team struggle, um, and, and yeah, I don't know. I think giving Trossard and McAllister a bit of tough love there, Dan. To be honest, I think Tr- Trossard's been quite unlucky this season. I think I think he's the only stro- uh, the, the player who's hit the bar, who's hit the woodwork more more often than anybody. You know, him and Ollie Watkins both right up there. So. I think he's it's fine margins and he's quite close to becoming a very decent player, actually. Got to hit the target, Greg. <laughs> well, you have, haven't you? Got to hit the target. <laughs> to be fair, you have. yeah, but I think there's not much. He's not far off it, actually. I think I think he could be a decent player. No, no. I get what you know. He's a, a lovely footballer. Him and McAllister both lovely. But I've watched Brighton a few times, and as I say, end, end product not really there. So I just felt Villa were, Villa were going to nick it. I mean, basing on absolutely nothing going forward because, as, as we've said, we're absolutely rubbish. But just the longer it went on, nil nil. I've seen Brighton a few times. Ship goes late. I just felt like Villa would do something. And, you spoke about Grealish. I mean, an off game for Grealish is miscontrolling the ball once or twice, which I think is probably the first time he's done that all season and he, he did it on Saturday. But when he is shut down or he's, he's having a difficult night, you need other players to step up. And it did, didn't really happen. I mean, I think you can excuse Watkins because, you know, there's not much service, not, not a lot going on. He's, he's up against big, strong centre-backs. I don't remember him having a shot in the game, correct me if I'm wrong. So I think we can discount him because you sometimes as a striker, you're only as good as the service you get. 
Barkley's the one that's coming under fire. I mean, in, in some ways, I think criticising anyone after a bad team performance and singling out individuals is, is not really for me. But Barkley seems to be the one that he's, he's now getting that, that scapegoat tag. You, you wrote about it after the game. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go against the grain a little bit here. And, and, and I, I, I presume some supporters who are, are getting on his back at the moment are going to disagree with me. But I, I watched him closely because at Brighton, uh, the, way the, the way the press box is set up at the moment is you're right at the back of the stand in the side stand. So you've got like a really, you know, an elevated view. You can, it's quite yeah. a nice view, actually. You can sort of, you know, get get a real good analysis of the game. Um, so I decided to watch Barkley closely because the plan that I had going into the game was that I was going to write about him, um, hoping that he had a good performance. And 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 and, but you know, it, it didn't work out for him. I think what we can all say is that he isn't performing at the level that we know he can. Right. So when he came into Villa at the start, brilliant against Liverpool. Everyone was singing his praises. I actually think his best game was the one against Arsenal. I think he was, you know, the man of the match there. Um, without that, without him in those games, Villa don't get those wins. I think it's simple as that. I take you talk about the away. Sorry, game, the away the, game. The away yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the three yeah. Um Started off really well. Picks up the injury. Um, out for two months. Disappointing, obviously. Desperately wants to come back. Has played six games in eighteen days. Those six games not really at the level that he would have wanted to be. Clearly the frustration is there with him. You know, he wouldn't come off. He was substituted in the last seven games. He wouldn't come off the, the pitch and kick the water bottle, would he? Um, and kick the, the bottle carrier thing um, if he wasn't frustrated. So look, there's some frustration there. But I think the tag, the lazy tag that he's been given is unfair. I, I agree. I mean, look... It, Villa knew what they were getting with Ross Barkley, right? When they signed him on loan, they knew the type of player he was going to be. I've never once in all the years that Ross Barkley has been playing, associated him as a player who um, presses defenders at speed and regular. I've, I've never seen him do that, right? So I'm not sure what Villa supporters are expecting of him. So the, the criticism that seems to be labelled at him is that he doesn't press defenders. Well, he does because I watched him. I watched him all game and he does. He just doesn't do it at the speed of, say, an Ollie Watkins does. Um, so, Not many do, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, and, 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 and as you say, yeah, you know, Ollie Watkins is very different in the way he does. So when you look at the positions that Barkley and, and, and Watkins take up in the game, there's not much difference between the two in terms of how advanced they are in the pitch. So you're effectively looking at Barkley as a second striker you know, almost yeah. a striker. So, I mean, I mean, look, he's, he's 27 years old now. I mean, he's not going to change his game. The, the, the way that Barkley will will help Villa going forward is getting him on the ball, driving at defenders, linking up the play like he did to great effect in the, in the early games. And I think what we've also got to remember is if he's been out for two months with a hamstring injury, he's moved to Villa on loan from Chelsea because he desperately wants to play and get into the England team. If he's got that worry of a niggling hamstring injury, is he going to be charging at defenders at speed, doing something that he's never done in his career anywhere um, and changing up his game? There were a few times during the game at Brighton where Dean Smith was shouting, work, work, work to, 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 to Ross and, and, and a few of the other players. I think it wasn't uh, an instruction directly aimed at Barkley because he wasn't doing the work. I think that's just what Smith says to the players anyway. You know, he wants to see that quick press. But yeah. the situation that we've got now is whether 
Barkley stays in, in the team, isn't it, going forward? And whether Sansong comes in or whether Jacob Ramsey comes in and, and replaces him and, and Barkley has to find his way back into the team. But I just think for Villa, they need to find a way to get him on the ball. If, if he can get on the ball, he will cause problems. Against Brighton, against West Ham, he couldn't get on the ball, so he's not going to cause any problems. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. There was problems in midfield on Saturday night, undoubtedly. I'm talking about the whole midfield. So like you say, he didn't really get the ball. He needs quick passes into him so he can manipulate space and drive at defences. And that didn't happen for whatever reason. On Saturday, I think you raise a valid point with the... the off the ball, I think Villa are four four two basically, off the ball. And as you say, Watkins and Barkley are close together. It's clearly Watkins' job to press in those situations. And I bet if you go back to the games when Barkley was out and Jack was playing as a 10, I bet you Jack wasn't pressing in the same situations that Ross isn't pressing with such intent. I bet if you look back, I've not done it, but I bet if you look back, it'll be very similar. It's clearly a tactical instruction. That's what Watkins is there for because that's his game. That's what he can do. I just, I think the criticism's a bit over the top. I mean, you look back to the Southampton game. Again, he wasn't brilliant. We won that game 1-0 thanks to him. Great ball from Grealish, but that's a fantastic header that not many other players in the team would have been capable of. We've won that game because of him. He's he's a game changer. He's, He's a match winner on his day. Villa have got to find a way to get him back up to peak level. And I think the only way of doing that, Greg, is by continuing to play him because I think he's a player that with a run of games will hit his premium level. If you stick him on the bench and he has a game off, I think you're sending him backwards, to be honest. Yeah, yeah it's a difficult one now, isn't it? Because he's got those minutes in his belt, under his belt. He's, you know, he's got those seven games on the bounce, albeit didn't complete any of them. Um, so, you know, he's almost right there now. And, and you'd think with the games now being staggered more on weekends rather than midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend, this might benefit him because he's going to get a little bit more time on the training ground. Yeah. Um, and I think if we just look at the bigger picture as well, I think if you take Ross Barkley out of the team, if, if, if Aston Villa hadn't had Ross Barkley this season, they would have fewer points. Oh, definitely. I'm, I'm convinced of yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. They, they, would have, they would have fewer points than they have now. So um, let, let's, let's appreciate what he's done for the team so far. Um, absolutely no issue um, with, with with people having to go um, criticising players or asking them to do more or expecting more of them. No problem at all. That's what, you know, that's what football's about, isn't it? You know, if we, if we, if we just, if we just um, dressed every footballer up as the same and, and, and spoke nicely about them, there would be no opinions in this game and it'd be boring. But um, yeah, you know, Barkley will know that he needs to do more. And I think everybody watching is expecting a little bit more of him. And as I say, the big decision now is whether he plays, isn't it, against Leicester? Because I, I was really impressed with Sansonic. He only had 15 minutes, but he looked lively and 
very, very fast as well. So he could add that little bit of a, a different dimension. Yeah, I think it's going to be slow integration for him. Let, let's look ahead to Leicester now. I mean, you talk about games where Villa would, Villa would have less points if it wasn't for Ross Barkley. Leicester away. Absolutely, that game was was petering out for a nil-nil without Ross popping up with an absolute screamer in stoppage time. So Villa have got the chance to do the double over a very good side like they did against Arsenal. Villa go into the home game at Villa Park with a chance to do the double, Greg. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the triple, isn't it, as well? Almost, it would be three wins on the bounce, the same as um, the same as what yeah. Arsenal ended up to be. And, you know, that, that's a, it's, it's some achievement, really, when you think of where Villa were a couple of years ago in the Championship, languishing in fifth place, you know, struggling to get up through the playoffs and then just surviving last year. You know, to be, to be coming up and beating these, these established Premier League clubs now regularly is, is a big thing. And... I have to admit, I hate to sound downbeat on this one, but I think it's going to be a really tough one for them on Sunday. I think. Oh, absolutely. I think that um, I watched the Liverpool Leicester game and I thought that Liverpool were totally in control for 80 minutes and I was surprised how they let it go. But it just shows what Leicester have got that they can do that to teams now and, and just turn it on. And, and they've got game changes in there, haven't they? Harvey Barnes and. Um, and Vardy, obviously. Um, the issue that Leicester have got is that there's a fair few injuries. You know, they're obviously in Prague, aren't they, on, on Thursday night? And um, Perez is now out. Ricardo isn't travelling because they, you know, they want to keep him fresh for hopefully for Sunday. Um, I think Justin's injured, isn't he, for the season? Yeah, he's out for the season. Fafana's out as well. Yeah. So, you know, look, they've got some issues. And if you think of if Villa lost four key players like that, yeah, Matty Cash is going to be out, of course, but if they lost four players like that, it'd be it'd be really hard for them to rebuild, wouldn't it? And um, and replace. So it might be a good time to play them, but I just think they've got a lot of good quality and it's going to be tough. Oh, a bit the opposite of you. Again, we talk about people having different opinions. I watch Leicester closely, I watch the game on Saturday against Liverpool. And you think about it, Liverpool were in control, one nil up. They score a goal off a set piece, which obviously they can do with Madison. The second goal was a horrific goalkeeping error. I mean, I'm probably absolutely jinxing it here, but you'd hope Emmy Martin is, isn't going to do something like that against Leicester on Sunday. And the, and the third goal, again, just kind of like Liverpool are pushing on the break and that they hit the third. But I don't think they created too much. I thought they were very solid. I think Leicester might let Villa have the ball, sit back a little bit and try and plan the break. I, th- I think that's what they want. And hopefully Villa will be wise to it. But I didn't see anything that particularly scares me. On Saturday, maybe Barnes up against El Mohamedi, who hasn't played a lot of football this season, would be one that people would call out. And Vardy's obviously got a great record against Villa as well. But I think with the added factor of the Europa League fatigue, we've already beaten Leicester. We've, we've proved we can beat them. They're going to have a patched up defence. I think, again, as well, another thing, there's a reaction from this Villa side when things mm. go badly in a, in a game before. And I fancy us. Yeah, no, do you know, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you've said there, to be honest. But I also think that, I just think that Leicester, the fact that they weren't they were great, eh? the fact that they weren't very good against Liverpool and then still went and, and well, not smashed them, but still went and beat them 3-1. I think that they can change a game very quickly now with their individuals. And um, they showed that, yeah, I, I watched the game on silent, actually, no commentary. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what they were saying about the game, but... My opinion was it was that Liverpool were totally in control for eighty minutes, and then it, and then it, it just yeah, changed were. at the end. But um, um, so yeah, that that's that's the threat that they've got, haven't they? But in some ways, Villa are a similar team like that because they can keep it tight, and then they've got the quality to go and 
um, you know, hurt teams with Grealish, Watkins quickly on the pace, uh, quickly on the break. And, and Traore, who I was disappointed with, him, to be honest, we haven't mentioned him yet, has it? have we? But he was, he was underwhelming, wasn't he, against Brighton? I didn't think the ball went down his side, to be honest. I don't remember us going down the right-hand yeah. side and, and attacking for whatever reason. I just thought he, he didn't get the ball, quite simpler. But yeah, I mean, but neither did Barkley. And Barkley, everybody's criticising Barkley. I mean, what was the difference? Mm. Do you know, what, what was the difference between Grealish, Barkley and, and Traore? Not much. The three of them hardly got a ball. They hardly got the ball. Villa need to find a way to get the forward players on the ball more. And, and if they do, they're going to hurt teams. Simple as that. What do you think of the makeup of the midfield for that game? Then do you think there's no big change? Because people are, Louise, to be fair, Louise and McGinn are coming in for criticism in, in some quarters. I mean, no player is going to play well every single week. And I think criticising Louise and McGinn, who've been playing defensive midfield all season, probably going against their natural games a little bit, have done a great job for this a side that's been very good defensively. So I think if you're looking for stuff from them going forward, I don't think you're going to get it because of the system. But I think they've protected the back four very well. But what do you make of the makeup of the midfield? I mean, I like it. I think it's good. I think that it, I, I would always say that it's a risk not playing again. Yeah, I would play him every week. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd always play him because I just think... Um, I just think he turns up, you know, and 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 he and he can just turn it on, and and if you, I feel like if I was the manager, I'd be too scared to drop him in case he has one of them brilliant games, and you know, you know, he's just capable of doing that at any given moment. So I'd stick with it to be honest. I mean, I'd, I'd even continue with Barkley. Uh, I know people are gonna um, disagree with me with that one, but I'd stick with it. Um, and, uh, and and see where it goes from there. Yeah, I think that I might be completely incorrect here that every game the canvas started, we've kept a clean sheet. I could be wrong. Uh, cert, cert, certainly the last... Um, yeah, I don't Burnley. think he... Burnley. Certainly... The, 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 the Burnley, Newcastle, Newcastle and... Arsenal. Um, and Arsenal, yeah. The, the three that he's come in, he, hasn't, he didn't play early in the season, did he? So, no. yeah, yeah. I think, I think, I think that's correct. Um, so people are calling for that. But, but Villa kept 12 clean sheets this season. Do you know what I mean? They've kept, yeah. they've kept seven, um, eight without eight without him. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's not an issue. I don't think they're, they're particularly porous, are they? You know, they're not they're not conceding lots of goals and and and, uh, and chances and shots at goal. It's I don't think that's the issue. I think they need to get the forward players on the ball more. That's all. That, that, you know, and do, does Nakamba do that job? I mean, no. if you if you bring Nakamba in for Louise or Nakamba in for McGinn, does that help get the forwards on the ball quicker? I, I don't think it does. I agree. Um, you know, I, and I think that's the issue at the moment. I think that was the issue in the last game. They just couldn't get the ball forward to the creative players to cause a problem. And um, if you take out Louise, who is very who. You know, if you look at the Brazil team, for example, Louise gets in there in a slightly more advanced role, and and, and Alan doesn't of Everton. Okay, so and the reason for that is because Alan's this type of destroyer player, and we know what he's going to do. He's going to win tackles more often. But with Louise, when he gets on the ball, he can give you that bit more variety. You know, he can he can play different passes. He can dribble the ball forward a bit better than others. Um, so if you take that out of the team and replace him. It might backfire. I don't know. Look, you know, it's one, it's one to weigh up, isn't it? And I'm sure Smith will be looking at his options in, um, in training this week. Yeah, I think McGinn and Louise, their game's obviously not about being destroyers. They're about interceptions in midfield, and I think both of them have done that job really well all season. The camber probably suited Arsenal because Villa were quite happy to let Arsenal have the ball and break. I think Leicester are going to be quite happy to let Villa have the ball and they try and break. So. I wouldn't say it's a game for Nakamba. I think there's you pick and choose your games for Marvellous to come in. And for me, 
that's not really one of them. As I say, Arsenal was ideal for him. Newcastle was kind of out, out of necessity. There, there wasn't really anyone else to pick at the time. So I think you pick and choose, but I think McGinn and Louise do a lot of stuff defensively. The, in the system we're playing goes completely unnoticed. People want all bells and whistles going forward and in that defensive midfield role with Louise and McGinn now. You're not going to say that. You might argue it's their natural game, Katal, but that's the system we're playing. It's worked for the majority of the season. If we go a few more weeks and it's, it's not working and we're not picking up results, then okay, look at a change. But at the moment, I think you leave it as it is, as you say. So, Greg, let's talk about you. Probably not your favourite subject, but let's talk about what you've been up to with your, with your pieces at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been quite, been a slow week at the moment. Actually, I've been going match to match. Um, done a done a piece on on Villa's exciting young winger, Jaden Philogene Bidasa. So, um, oh, a little, little bit more good pronunciation. <laughs> I hope it's right. Um, li- little bit more uh, about him. So, obviously, his contract expires at the end of. Uh, at the end of the season. So um, I, I won't share all the details right now, but, but that'll be up online um, on Thursday. So, uh, you know, it's really interesting really because he's one of the most exciting players in the under-23 team. And you know, there are a lot of clubs in Europe looking at him. So if he doesn't stick around at Villa, which, you know, he still might do, um, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens next. So yeah, big story on him for, for Thursday. Yeah, it might be some some Champions League teams that are, that are looking at that young lad at the moment. And the Champions League has returned this week and there's no better time to sign up for all the Athletics coverage. Until February the 25th, we're offering new subscribers a half-price annual subscription. That's less than a pound a week for an entire year. So to redeem that, all you've got to do is a limited time offer is go to theathletic.com slash villapod and you'll be enjoying basically really, really good coverage. There's some excellent stuff being in there all round at the moment. I think there's a Kevin Keegan thing up there at the moment which I haven't read yet that's supposed to be really good so yeah watch out for all the content and if you're enjoying the show at the moment please leave us a review because Greg I think both of us are enjoying doing it and there's, there's plenty of interaction on social media at the moment with this podcast as well which is really really good I like speaking to all the people that listen to the show and take it in and not, not more so than yesterday when we put out there the top three so you, you tasked me with picking my top three strikers at Villa of the Premier League era. Now, we've chosen the Premier League era because despite how I'm looking at the moment in lockdown, I am still quite young. I've only watched football in the Premier League era, so it's difficult for me to go back and choose people like Andy Gray and Peter with because I never saw them play. Greg's the same. Greg's even younger than me. Would you believe it? So, yeah, none of us have ever seen those kind of players <laughs> play. So, Premier League era it is. And I've got to be honest, Greg, to narrow it down to three was really hard. There's one banker, and then after that, it's really difficult. Sport for choice, aren't they, really, for with Villa Strikers? I mean, there's been some absolute belters over the years. Um, I'm looking forward to who you're picking, though, Dan. Yeah, I think you could guess the first pick. So this was when... Yeah, Dwight, I think we all agree on this one, don't Dwight we? York has to be in there. He set the standard for Strikers, didn't he, for, for Villa when I was a kid. He set the standard and he's only really been recently that anyone's really matched up to, to, to those levels. They've gone through years of poor, poor number nines, you did a piece on the cursed number nine shirt, didn't you? And there's just, there's nothing, there's nothing been there mm. for the last decade, really. That shirt number seems to be cursed. So go back and read that if you haven't read it already. But, but York, he was at 20 goal a season, man guaranteed for, for three years in a row. Villa were finishing 
top top four it actually at one point under Brian Little, fourth, fifth, and seventh. I think we finished in his three seasons as the main striker at Villa, and he was somewhere near twenty in each and every one of those seasons. Went off to Manchester United and won the treble, a Premier League great, and for me still the best striker I've seen in a Villa shirt. So he's a no-brainer. I don't know how much you saw of him. As I say, you're younger than me. Did you see much of yours? Yeah, no, no, no. I saw lots of him and I've, you know, enjoyed interviewing him in the past. And his autobiography is amazing. You know, you've got to, got yeah, to, I've got to read that. Got to read that if you haven't. It's a, it's a really interesting, funny read. Um, I mean, he certainly lived the lifestyle as well, didn't he? So yeah, as well as enjoying it on the pitch, he enjoyed it off it as well. Um, I think currently living in Dubai. Um, yeah, he is. I saw an interview with him the other day. Oh, right. Okay, fine, fine. I missed out on that one. I've been trying to interview him for a while. So, uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, excellent player. You know, I think I've seen him a little bit more just because of my age when he was at United, um, yeah, obviously, you know, winning the, you know, winning the all the all those cups and starring at the top of the Premier League, but yeah, a brilliant striker. So he was one, absolutely guaranteed. The second one, I undenied whether he should be in there, but then I just looked at his goal scoring record. I looked at the fact he was in such a poor side, and his goal scoring record was pretty much one in two for that time. And for me, over the last ten to fifteen years, there's been like. One of the most satisfying things I've seen in a Villa shirt was Benteke rising up in the air and powering a header into the back of the net. So I thought Benteke had to be there. And I thought back to what would my 11 be of Villa players that I've watched over the years. It would be him and York up front. So Benteke had to be in the top three for me. One of more recent times. I mean, I don't know whether it's because we were so rubbish as well. Like it was a, a good memory of having a good player at that time. But I think he has to be in yeah. there. Yeah, I think I think with Benteke, the thing is what many people forget because he's gone because he struggled since he left Villa, is that when when he was at Villa and leaving, and when there was that that release clause that needed to be matched, he could have gone to any probably any team in world football and and and, and fitted into the squad, you know, and, and potentially gone into the starting lineup. He was that good. There was every club was interested in him. Um, you know, he was that good. He was brilliant and he was young and the European Championships were coming up and it's sad really to see him, to see him, you know, fade oh, away I because it. I hate it. You know, we remember watching him for Villa and he was unbelievable. You know, you knew that he was always going to be good for goal. As you say, I suppose, you know, as a supporter sitting in the stands for you, Dan, that would have been a satisfying feeling watching him jump up in the air and, and latch onto a cross because you always knew he was going to score. I loved his little celebration as well. And I used to like his penalties uh, as well. Yeah, yeah. I used to like his penalties. Oh, yeah, cheeky, I liked his penalties <laughs> in stoppage time against West Brom in front of the whole end. I, I certainly liked those ones. Very, very interesting penalty technique. I enjoyed that. Number three? Enjoyed his, I enjoyed his celebrations as well, Greg, with the fingers up in the air. It's simple, but it was just something that I liked. Number three, Greg, I haven't decided. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a few contenders there. So I've got I've narrowed, narrowed it down to six people. Gabby, Angel, Dion Dublin, Tammy Abraham, Savo Milosevic and John Carew. It's really tight. I, honestly, I think Tammy is one that some one of the one of the listeners was insisting I choose Tammy because he signed 25 goals in the championship, Villarreal in the Premier League without that. And I think it's a valid point, but it being over one season, I don't think I can put him in. Gabby's obviously the club, the club record, so the club record goal scorer, sorry, in the Premier League, but he also had to spend a lot of time out wide, scored some important goals. So I'm leaning towards Gabby to be honest. I haven't even mentioned Dean Saunders, the first striker I saw really in a Villa shirt. Sport for choice, as we say, aren't we there? It's difficult. I don't know. Tell me who you'd pick out of them. 
just out of interest before I decide? Um, definitely not Savo. I remember being at school and every time every time he missed a chance in, in, in the playground, it was, oh, what a Savo. Not fair, not every fair. Time. Not fair on him. <laughs> not picking him, no chance. Um, Angel was good for a couple of seasons, wasn't he? Carew, did you mention John? Yeah, Carew. Uh, yeah, I used to like watching John Carew, but, you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think Saunders, actually. I'd probably yeah. go Saunders. Yeah. Yeah. I am going to go for... Oh, God. I can't choose. I'll go for Gabba. I'll go for Gabba. He's the record goal scorer in the Premier League and he scored so many important goals for Villa. And I think you forget for a few seasons, he was absolutely unplayable. It would have been easy to pick someone who's a bit more of a talisman like Carew, but a lot of these strikers, Benteke included, Gabby was playing with them. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Gabba. Plus he always, yeah. Yeah, look, I think I think that's a fair, I think that's fair, isn't it, Dan? Look, I mean, he's the record goal scorer in the Premier it's League. Tight, for, 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 for Villa. I mean, there was, you know, there was a spell where he's in the England team, wasn't he? You could have, yeah. Arsenal were interested in him when, when Arsenal were brilliant. Um, you know, he was ripping defences apart. He scored a brilliant hat-trick. I remember that one year against Man City, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, you know, he had some great seasons. We often forget, don't we, because it, it didn't end up great for him, you know, and, and, and the season, the last few seasons, you know, I think, you know, in his own words, they, they weren't as um, productive as, as as he would have liked them to have been. Yeah. Um, and, and we almost forget how good he was at the start and how quick he was. And the fact that he was born in Erdington, I mean, look, you know, everyone loves a local hero more than anything, don't they? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'll back you with that choice, to be fair. I think injuries hurt him. I think people actually forget. I interviewed him recently. In- injuries curtailed him in a number of ways. He had to ad- adapt his game and-, and change his game. His body just couldn't put up with the injuries he, he was getting anymore. So, yeah, he's also very generous with his likes on, on Instagram. So, I'll go with uh, Calvert. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's move on now to uh, no fans at Villa Park for a year, Greg. I, ju- I just read your piece and it's... It's horrible, really. I can't believe I've not been to Villa Park for a year. So it's, it's, now we're recording the podcast. It's a year and one day, I think, since fans were at Villa Park for that Spurs game. I mean, God, I remember walking away that day and thinking, we are finished. Mm. You cannot defend like that and stay up. The Engels mistake in stoppage time, letting Son through for them to win through to. And Villa had actually played well that day, in fairness. But to have not been back there since, 
It's not right. No, no, it's horrible. It's criminal almost to think that, you know, the fans haven't seen the new players and, uh, you know, I, put, I wrote in my piece, I, you know, imagine imagine the roar from the whole 10 the first time Emmy Martinez walks up to it and, you know, yeah. uh, you know pre-game and that first goal that's scored and um, just seeing this hard-working new bunch of, you know, industrious players, but players that really believe in the team, love playing for the football club and, you know, they're all pulling together trying to, Trying to you know achieve something special really and 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 potentially get into Europe okay it might be might be a little bit too hard for them to do that this season but um, yeah it just feels like it's such a shame that the fans are missing out um, you know I did I did make it clear in my piece that we can't really say whether Villa are better or worse without supporters at the moment I know it's a bit of a I know it's not the right real tone to, to to strike, but it's an interesting debate. I think it's happening, isn't it? It's 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 it, it's real. You know, it's real. There are no fans in there, and you know, there are no fans going to be in there for the foreseeable future. So, you know, it's a it's a big talking point, as we've seen over years. If you speak to a lot of players, they will all tell stories of times where you know themselves or their teammates have 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 been heckled by certain certain sections of the support base, um, and that goes against them it makes it hard to sometimes turn up and 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 play your best football and what you've got to think of at the moment is there's 11 players out there well okay there's a match day 18 that are all pulling together as one with no external factors yeah coming into the game if you know what I mean there's 18 of them that are setting up every single week knowing that they've got to get the better of the eight the other 18 it's as simple as that whether they're home or away you know, there's nothing. There's nothing in the surroundings that are making it any different for them. So they're in a bubble. They, that's that's it. Yeah, you know, the bubble has been used a lot, hasn't it, in in the last twelve months? But that they are in that bubble, and it's going to be very different when supporters come back because there's going to be forty thousand screaming voices scrutinising you every single move. Um, now, some players like Jack Grealish will thrive off that. It's quite scary to think that he could go up a level when <laughs> when supporters are back. Um, and and I think some of the other players probably could as well. You know, probably McGinn and Barkley. They're probably players that would would go up another level as well with supporters in. But you you potentially could look at others, not just at Villa, but across the country that might suffer when, you know, the pressure's really on them. So it's an interesting debate, isn't it? It's one we shouldn't be having and one, you know, it's sad that it's come to this, but, um, you know, because of the whole COVID situation, but it's a, it's a valid debate, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was reading through the, the reader comments. There's a couple of different opinions in there. Some, again, some really good stuff in the comments on your, on your articles. And we should say as well at this point, that those, those fans that we're talking about, that might turn. That's a minority. The majority totally. go there to yeah. support the team and get behind them. And especially at away games, there's some unbelievable people at away games. It is just that minority. But John JB in the comments, he's saying it's the same, it's the same everywhere. He's the saying it's the same everywhere. He's saying Stoke at what at one point they were happy just to stay up. Fans were all behind Pulis, whatever happened, but expectations raised, which makes people change. I thought thought that was a, a really valid point. Leicester now, when the fans are back in, they've got, like he's saying, they've got an expectation now of being this, this top six side. And if they weren't there, fans would, would grumble. So it's interesting, isn't it, that, that standards, they, they change? Yeah, totally. I, I really like that comment from from John, I think, wasn't it? And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought he made some really valid points and and and, 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 he, and he's right, you know, totally right. The fact that Villa, for Villa, for example, they finished sixth, three years on the bounce under Martin O'Neill. And then, you know, Randy Lerner almost left the players and, and the manager exposed a little bit then because he's he he gave up on the club almost. And, and the high expectations that... 
the previous teams and and the previous managers had set, it, it made it hard for the for the for the new ones coming in. So yeah. The good thing about the comments is I think they're always very reasonable. Yeah, some people disagree with with the things that that are right. Some people agree with them. You know, I I, I love it when when people flag up things that they they think are, are different or that if they've got their own opinion. You know, as I say, it's what makes it's what makes football great, isn't it? That we can, you know, discuss these things. And just because I write something doesn't mean that it's right. You know, it, that's my opinion, and the, it, lots of other supporters will have different opinions and. Um, that's what makes starting lineups all the better, all the, all the more interesting, doesn't it? Because everyone's got a different plan. But yeah, look, it's, it's been a long year, you know, a year, a year out of um, a year, a year with no supporters. It's been a sad, long, painful year. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think when Emmy Martinez runs to the whole end, and I'm, I'm actually sat there, I think I, for the first time, I think I might cry. <laughs> I, feel, I feel emotional at the, <laughs> at the, the thought of going back because I've been going since I was seven and never had a break like this. Obviously, I've had a season ticket since then, so I've I've never had a break of not going. So I don't, this is like a weird stage in my life, and it's probably affected my mental health a little bit, if I'm being completely honest. And it will have done a lot of Villa fans as well because it's routine. It's something I've done with my dad every two weeks since I was seven. So it is affecting me not, not being there. It's just not the same watching it on, on TV. And it won't be the same for you going to the games and there being no one there and you just sat on your own in a press box as well. It's just really weird times. And it does just feel like it's not any time soon that I'm going to be back there as well. So it's just, it's, it's really hard. Yeah, and I think a lot of supporters will resonate with you, Dan. You know, it's 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 tough, isn't it? Because you know, there, there are look. I'm lucky I get to go to the games, but there are other things that I'm missing in in the world right now. You know, and um, that regular that regular visit to to stadiums to watch football it is you know it's on a lot of people's calendars, isn't it? And it's something that they yeah. they look forward to after a long week at work. I know. I mean, I think at some point I'm going to have to put on my Greg Evans costume and borrow your pass and make my way down to Villa Park and see if we can get away with it. You can still do the written piece, but I'll, I might have to get the Greg, Greg Evans disguise on at some point because I need to be back there. I, I, I need it. Even if I could just go to one game, I really just think that would make me feel better. Even if they lost 5-0 at Villa Park to Leicester on Sunday and I was there, I think I'd feel better. I don't know. Really, really strange times and us going back cannot come soon enough. I think that does us... For this week, Greg, been great to chat to you. Some, some interesting stuff there, actually, that I think we've gone through and discussed. Do you want to just say something about the quiz that's tomorrow at the time of recording? Yeah, yeah, last last chance. Yeah, last chance to sign up to the quiz tomorrow. Um, it's to support Prostate Cancer UK. We've got lots of sign-ups already, so um, you might even see me drinking a pint of beer uh, if you're lucky. So um, a signed shirt to win and a thousand pounds if you can go on to the grand final and win that. So yeah, should be a lot of fun. And I think even you can answer the questions, Dan. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm backing myself on, on a quiz. Don't you worry about that. I'm going all out for the win. And I'm, yeah. I remember to sign up this morning. So I finally signed up as well. So I am legally allowed in the quiz now because I have, I have signed up using the registration form on The Athletic. Thanks ever so much for listening as well. And again, for all your interaction on social media, we both really enjoy conversing with you. So keep that up, please. And, and let us know if there's anything you want to hear in the podcast as well. This is a podcast for The Athletic subscribers, the Aston Villa fans. We want to talk about things that you want to know about. So let us know if there's anything you'd like to hear from Greg and myself. We'll be back next week to dissect Villa's game with Leicester. Stay safe. Up the Villa.
The Athletic.